Let's sing, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. Christ the Lord is risen today. Let's sing.
Low in the grave he lay. Let's sing. was conquered, the grave was conquered through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And He has demonstrated to us the power of God to give a life, yet not just life, but eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Life without sin, life without death, life that is everlasting through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now God bless you and may uh, the God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ bless you this morning as we remember His mercies to us that God made He who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf 
that the Lord Jesus Christ went to the grave and bore in his own body the penalty for our sin, which was death, and that by God's mercy he imputed and gave to us the righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we worship him corporately this morning. By the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we celebrate the fact that God has put to death death through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, through the power of God. That same power which raised up Jesus Christ from the dead has quickened our mortal bodies. And Jesus Christ, uh, though the wages of our sin was death, has given to us life, life everlasting. And so this morning I want to speak to you about the dread of death. The dread of death, that great enemy which stands before all of us. There is not one, the, the death rate is 100% in humanity. Everyone that has been born is born ultimately to die. And there is one enemy on planet Earth that nothing can be done about. There's nothing that man could do to fight death. But isn't it not true that with the things that have unfolded, that we, God has reminded us again with the coronavirus and that things are outside of our mortal hands. That mortality, that mortal man does not have the answer. That God alone has the answer. But God has defeated our greatest enemy through our Lord Jesus Christ. He has defeated death. So let me just make a point this morning about the dread of death, that, uh, that which is a, a dark cloud that is over ever human life. And we can ignore it and pretend that it does not exist, but the reality of our mortality is uh, something that is, is a harsh reality that we as men must face because the Scripture tells us, it teaches us, that it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. In fact, this life, this journey, uh, this sojourn that we're taking through humanity and on planet Earth is not all that there is. There is a, a time of eternity and everlasting life where the just, the righteous man, will enter in through resurrection into life everlasting, but there's also a resurrection unto death and separation from God. For God is dealing with the plan of evil on this planet. And in God's heaven and in God's presence, sin cannot exist. It must be abolished. It must be done away with. Death and the wages of sin and all of the curses and uh, problems of, of illness and sickness and uh, the maladies that fall upon man is taken up uh, by God's plan uh, to deal with the plan of evil. Now, Dostoevsky, a well-known Russian writer, uh, once faced a firing line. See, he was a writer in the 1800s, but he faced the firing squad and was delivered at the last moment. He had this to say about death. The certainty of inescapable death and the uncertainty of what is to follow are the most dreadful anguish in the world. Here is a man that faced the reality 
of the darkness, of the dread, of the anguish of death. Here is a man that was moments away and the greatest thought and the thought that we must all consider this morning uh, in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is that that unknown is a dreadful reality. There is fear of death and the love of life that we cling to. There is the reality that we as believers hold the sanctity of life. We believe that the scripture says that, that with, uh, with our tongue we bless the Lord and the Father and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. In the image of God man was created and there's a sanctity to life. Uh, we love uh, the life that God has given to us and well we should. The blessings that God has given and for every child that's been born there's, there's a uh, an acknowledgement that there's sanctity in it, there's beauty in what God has done. There's there's multifaceted, uh, unique person that is like no other person, and yet it's a it's a human being created in the image of God. So life is sanctified for us. But let me address the bondage of the fear of death that all life. Uh, of all men, of all of mankind on planet earth has to face. And in looking at this, we would go to uh, Hebrews chapter 2. And in Hebrews chapter 2, it says, But we do not see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. That's what Jesus did for us. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all of their lives. Now, it's just you can't look at this passage of Scripture without thinking of the humility of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Scripture tells us, But let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon himself the form of a servant, and came in the likeness of man, and he humbled himself, unto death, even the death of the cross. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the expression of God's love for you. But I want to look at those who through fear of death were subject to slavery. That fear of the unknown and clinging to life we want to think about for just a moment. One thing that is clear, clear is that there is and there rightfully should be a fear of death. It's a great enemy. It's an enemy that mortality, that, that mortals can't deal with. That in our mortality we face it and we should fear it. There, there should be a, a healthy and right fear of death, which should cause for us as God's people a fear of sin because sin is the, uh, the wages of our sin is death. The, the result 
The consequence of sin means death. It means separation. It means loss of life. It means all of those things that we know uh, death means. But let's, let's take a look at what has happened. And we want to consider the fear of death on planet Earth for man in this day and time. And here's, here's a great picture. This is a picture of, of a, uh, an evangelist that is put on sackcloth and ashes uh, to repent because he acknowledges that God is disciplining the world. Pandemic. Multinational discipline that God is bringing on mankind to show that man has, uh, has offended God with sin and that God is dealing with the problem and the issue of sin. And so what we have today is God's judgment. And in God's judgment, we have vacated streets. We have shut down businesses. We have many things that have occurred. Take a look at this video. Do you see the streets? They're empty. Look at what the hand of the Lord hath wrought and let it wake you up. Let it wake you up. We're asleep. We're walking in darkness, the blind, leading the blind. And the Bible says that if we do such, we will fall into a pit. We have to wake up. It's your soul in the balance that I care about you. I don't want you to perish. Only God can empty these streets, my friends. Remember Katrina. Remember what has happened before. We have to stop making the same mistakes. What happened when Noah got into the ark? The flood came. The rain fell from the ground. The deep waters flowed. And every man, woman, and beast perished. The end of all things is upon us. Judgment is coming across our land. Judgment is coming. The earth will be burned up with fire and He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And those who do not belong to Him will not be with Him in eternity. We must repent, New Orleans. We must seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let us turn to the Lord and He will have mercy. And to our God, for He will abundantly pardon for he has said, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's from the mouth of God Almighty. He'll give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. When's the last time you saw these streets empty? Do you feel the tension in the air? We're so afraid of this coronavirus, and yet we're not afraid of the one God who has the power to cast your eternal soul into hell. Yes, what we, what we see is that, that we fear uh, physical death and the loss and separation from the things of this world. But the scripture teaches us <clears throat> that there is a second death, that there is a separation from our God and Creator who has given to us all things and all of life is it comes from His hands and that there is a day of accountability for us. And so our prayer 
our, our thought uh, in these days is that, oh God, would you grant to our nation repentance? Would you grant to us, would you grant to the church of Jesus Christ uh, repentance from the neglect of the authority of your word and those things which you have spoken to us? Because, dear, dear, dear brothers and sisters, dear people, his word is reality. His word is the truth. The unknowns are, are, are given to us uh, there in his word. What takes place after, after life on planet earth, what takes place in regard to the, to the second death is described in scripture. So in the bondage of the fear of death, there's the acknowledgement that we, we do and should fear death that it's a great enemy <clears throat> and that it's, it's not something that we can overcome but that God has overcome through Christ Jesus our Lord. And then secondly, we'd make the point that the flesh, that, uh, that, there's, uh, that, that this problem of our flesh uh, is, is a reality and Jesus speaks to it. He addresses the rich man and uh, the passage in Luke 12, verses uh, uh, 19 says, and, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. The problem of the flesh, that existential uh, desire to you only live once, so grab for all the gusto in life that you can. And here we see in the streets of New Orleans, that, uh, that lust for life and grabbing for, for life and, and things of this world, but it's passing. The reality is, is that it passes away, that it's, it's only there for a moment. It's temporary. But the things which are eternal and given to us in Scripture uh, of godliness and such things are necessary and needful for us. And then we would take a look at the phobias that we face in the fear of death, uh, the fear of the unknown, uh, how, how often it is that, that we're fearful. Uh, and it is, it is interesting that, that um, Jesus speaks of us as, as lambs, as sheep, um, because we're fearful and timid of many things. And how many times in Scripture God has, has said, be not afraid, fear not, uh, believe. Uh, why are you full of unbelief? And our phobias are, are those things that, that we think it's the fear. I might get cancer or, or, uh, you know, or these awful things may happen to me. And, and we realize that all of these things in death, that, that for each one of us, some of us will, will have difficult deaths. Uh, it's not going to be an, an easy passing from this life to the next. Uh, it will be painful, and, and so we have fear of, of sickness, and, and we uh, dread, we have a dread for these things that may come upon us. Along with that, there's the fear of terrorism. There's the fear of, of uh, flying in airplanes. There's the, the fear of, uh, and, 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 and certainly uh, there should be fear of, of death and of these things. Uh, uh, the Soviet Union, the People's Republic of China, Cambodia, the, the, the high end of, of those that were executed by man, by mankind. 
uh, is some 110 million people. Uh, well, what what is it in mankind uh, that that these kind of things can happen to ignore the reality uh, that there are Hitlers in the world, that there are Stalins in the world, there are Mayos in the world that can massacre masses of people without uh, conscience, without uh, concern or acknowledgement of the sanctity of life. Mankind is in a terrible way. And Jesus Christ came because mankind was in such a desperate and lost estate with the bondage of the fear of death, the consequences of our sin, with the fear, with the fleshly nature, with the phobias, with all that comes in the dread of death. So <laughs> we find in James 1.15, Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. That's the reality. That's the reality of, of our state in mankind. So the scripture tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and that the wages of those sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that, oh, I pray this morning uh, that we as God's people, that, that those who hear this message would understand the gravity of the value of what God did through Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. He made him sin. He made he who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf. God delivered him up to, to die the just penalty for our sins on the cross of Calvary that we might be granted freedom and deliverance from sin. And so we're very thankful and grateful for all that God has done through Christ Jesus and we pray that we might embrace the value of, of what and understand the gravity of what God has done through Jesus Christ our Lord. But let's move. Let's think now about the freedom in the resurrection of Christ, the fullness of what God has done through Christ Jesus our Lord. And I want to go back to the verses there in Hebrews 2, 9 through 14 and look at them again. But we do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely... Uh, the grace, uh, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. Oh, do we see the value and treasure of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you love him this morning? Have you come to know Jesus Christ? Have you come to understand that he loved you to such an extent, he loved you with such great love that he bore, he willingly went to the cross and shed his, uh, his life on the cross of Calvary for the penalty of your sin. And what greater expression of love does one have than to give up his life for others so that by the grace of God he might taste of death for everyone. Therefore, since the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook the same. The scripture tells us 
that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word created all things, that He is the one that spoke the world into existence, that the world is sustained by His Word, that this Word became flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who the Son with the Father dwelt, and He took upon Himself flesh. He became a human being and came and humbled Himself in His humility from the glory that He experienced with God. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation. He came took upon himself flesh and endured the shame of the cross for you in an expression of the depth of his love. And oh, that we might be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ and know the breadth and the length and the depth and the height of the love of Jesus Christ that he offered up freely to you because of his great love for you. This is the, the message of the cross. It's what Jesus did. He himself likewise also partook the same of all humanity, of, of you, that through death he might render powerless the one who had power over death, that is, <clears throat> the devil. Because in the angelic rebellion against mankind, the, the, the answer to why Hitler, why Stalin, why there are those, why humanity is able to do such horrible things to humanity is because of this angelic rebellion against our God and Creator. But Jesus, through the death on the cross, rendered powerless the, the wicked one, the evil one, the devil, and that he might free those. And so as we speak about the freedom of the resurrection of Christ, we must understand the value, the treasure that, that his resurrection uh, means, uh, the, the full reality that, that God has wrought through Jesus Christ in his resurrection and that brings us to the deep love that God expressed for you. For the scripture says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He that has the son has life. And he that hath not the son does not have life but is passed uh, from, but is, is, has death and separation from God. Because God will not put up with the problem of evil in heaven and in the place where he dwells. And God is so desperately concerned about the problem of evil that his wrath and his judgment is standing over humanity and over mankind. But in his love for mankind, he sent Jesus Christ to be a substitutionary atonement for you, to substitute his life for yours, to pay the penalty, the full just penalty for the sin that we all carry, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And he, regardless of the depth of your sin, regardless of, of how many bad things you have done, the sacrifice the propitiation that Jesus Christ made on the cross to, to pay the just penalty for your sin before a holy God is sufficient 
to bring you into relationship with God. And not just any relationship, but Jesus Christ came into his own, his own received him not, but to as many as received him, to him he gave the power, the authority to become children of God. Not by flesh or not by the blood or will of men, but by the power of God. God has done this thing. And we take joy in the gospel of Jesus Christ because in it he has accomplished uh, that which only God could accomplish, our salvation. So Jesus Christ said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. May you come to the Father. May you come to our Lord Jesus Christ. May you trust and put your faith and trust in him. And so uh, as we look at the love of Christ, the scripture, it, he sacrificed, he gave himself, he impoverished himself for us. The scripture says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. Are you rich this morning? Are, is, is your heart and your life and your understanding flooded with the knowledge of the value of what Christ has done, of the expression of the depth of God's love for you. God knows everything that you think. He knows everything that you have done. There's no deed that has been hidden from God. There's nothing that you do not stand accountable to God for. And yet, with all that He knows about you as God, He was willing through our Lord Jesus Christ, to take upon himself flesh, to become poor for our sakes, to express humility that he might uh, reveal to us uh, that which was, was necessary and needful for our salvation. He sacrificed and gave himself. He bore our sins in his own body that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. To everyone who believes, and you're not excluded from the extent and the depth and the value of the love that God extended and expressed. For all who will come and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then let's consider the victory of Christ. Because on the cross of Calvary, he abolished death. He put to death, death. It was the death of death and all that death means. Christ conquered it in the grave. He conquered it through the resurrection from the grave. He conquered it by his great humility and willingness to accept and receive the plan of the Father. So Jesus in Gethsemane on that faithful day in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed, Father, if you will, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. And he expressed to us the, the gravity of what it means to follow the will and calling of the Father because the Father's plan is always perfect even when it means something that's terribly bad and wrong and, and harmful. Uh, and, and, and involves the fear of death. Jesus Christ took the fear of death and the penalty for your sin. He took it willingly. There in the Garden of Gethsemane, there was a decision in his heart. 
And for each one of us, there needs to be a decision in our heart in regard to death. For each one of us, there needs to be a decision in regard to what God says is reality and the truth of what is taking place. Now, I realize that with the coronavirus, that there are many that think, well, it's just happenstance. It's just things that happen, and it happens by chance, and it's, it's bad things that happen, or it's Mother Nature, or it's some other thing. But we need to understand that judgment over sin and over mankind's sin hangs over us, and that there is an answer. There must be an answer. And God is drawing the line. In every judgment, God draws the line and he says, Will you believe me? Will you put your trust in me? Do you understand that I am dealing with the problem of evil on planet Earth and I'm dealing with it in a merciful way? And in my long suffering, I'm drawing you and calling you to myself and to salvation in Jesus Christ because I love you and because it was my plan and purpose that man is to be created in my image, not in the images that we see on the streets of our cities of mankind, but in the image of the living God and the beauty of, the, of the, the attributes and the nature and the person of Jesus Christ. He was the perfect demonstration of what mankind is supposed to be. And he led the way. And he's challenged us and caused us to take up the cross and follow after him. But let's look at some of these passages that tell us of the death of death, of the victory that Christ won over our sin and over the grave. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 through 6, it says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture, according to God's Word. He says that sin Christ has died for according to what God spoke to us. What is reality? It's what God has said is reality, that our sins have been paid for on the cross of Calvary through Jesus Christ and that he was buried. That's the proof that he died. Three days he was in the grave. He experienced physical death for you, the death that you should experience. He experienced and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Christ was raised according to what the Scripture tells us, according to what He said, and that He appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve, and after that He appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain even until now, as, as the Apostle Paul was recording it. But some have fallen asleep. Some were already dead. Some had already passed. But Jesus Christ was resurrected from the grave and they attested to it with their very lives with the blood of martyrs that proclaim that Jesus Christ is resurrected from the dead and that God has supplied a way for salvation for mankind, a way, a pathway for victory over death, a pathway for resurrection from the grave through Jesus Christ our Lord. He appeared on the third day. He appeared from the grave. Up from the grave He arose. And we sing hallelujah. We sing glory to God. We sing of the love of God, of the grace of God, of the power of God. We worship the Lord our God. We worship Jesus Christ our Lord. For He is worthy of our worship and our praise. And we give to God thanks for all that He has done. For in the power of the gospel, 
Our sin has been done away with. Did you know that when he died for that sin for you on the cross, that it was paid in full? That his expression of love is that, that all that you have done, are doing, and will do has been paid for on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago, justly paid for. First Timothy verses, chapter 1, verses 8 through 10 says this, Be not thou ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Isn't that awesome? He's called us. He's calling you. Calling to you to a life that is higher and nobler and purer through the power of the gospel, through the power of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ to live in accordance to that truth. But be you a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. In the proclamation of the message of the gospel, there comes persecution, there comes opposition, there comes hardship, there comes suffering because this world is under rebellion against God, against the God who loved his enemies. While we were yet enemies, Christ came, he died for us. And yet, the message is that we're to take up the fellowship of suffering in Jesus Christ, that we may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed unto his death so that we may obtain to the power of his resurrection. That's my prayer for us. That's my prayer for the church. That's my prayer for you that are worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. That's my prayer, that we would know that fellowship of His suffering, that we would know the power of His resurrection, that we would know our Lord Jesus Christ in such a way that we'll trust His Word and what He says. Because there's power in the Gospel. We bear the afflictions of the Gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace. Not according to what we were able to do. God, I've sinned and I'm, gonna, I'm trying as hard as I can to do all of these good things over here to make myself presentable to you. It's not according to our works. It's not according to anything that we could do, but it's according to what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. The expressed grace of God is, is what has forgiven you and brought you into God's family and empowered you by His calling for His purposes to take up your cross and follow after the Lord Jesus, to live in a fallen world in a way, in a manner that, that glorifies God by the power of God, not by the power of man, but by the grace of God. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the grace of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There is no glory in the power or strength of your flesh, in the power of mortal man. There is only glory in the power of our Lord Jesus Christ and this resurrected Lord and the Spirit which indwells the people of God and empowers the people of God according to the call and purposes of God, that holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. God had his plan. He had his plan for you to love you, to draw you, to redeem you, to reconcile himself, yourself to him. 
before the world began. In, in verse 10 of 2 Timothy chapter 1, it says, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. God has given to us eternal life. God has abolished death. God has taken the dread of the fear of death and replaced it with the promise of the reality according to the scriptures, according to God's word. There is resurrection power given to us over the dread of death. And so we look on to those things. And let's, let's consider then the deliverance of Christ. For He delivers us from the peril of death. There are many perils of death that we face. But God has delivered us through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 10 of 2 Corinthians 1.10 says this, Who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us, He on whom we have set our hope, He will yet deliver us. Do you know how much He loves you and how much He wants to deliver you from sin and from the consequence of the death which that sin brings? We need to understand the gravity of sin. And so if, if you're laden with guilt this morning over sin, uh, that's a proper response. But it's a wonderful thing to know the grace of God and to know that God, in, before the world began, in His calling of you, understood and He knew everything about you. And in His plan through Jesus Christ, He substituted His Son, His only begotten Son, in your behalf to pay the full just penalty for that, to take away the guilt, to take away the penalty of sin, to give you power over sin, that you might live and walk in light of that truth. You know, the scripture says that um, if thou, o God, should mark iniquity, who could stand? Nobody. Who would stand? Nobody would stand. But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. Now, one would think that justice would be, our fear of justice would be what would, would cause us uh, to, to fear God. But it's not justice which causes us to know the true fear of God that we, we know, but, but His mercy, that he, he does not mark our... Uh, he has not dealt with us after our sin or reward us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His mercy over those who fear God. It's that, that fear of God and, and knowing His, His great loving kindness... Uh, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he separated our transgressions from us. He knew all of those things. And in his grace, he took our place. He has delivered us from the peril of death. And notice that the scripture says in John 14:19 that Jesus Christ is the, the first fruit of resurrection. He says, because I live, you too shall live. What an incredible promise in Scripture. That's an, an incredible promise over the victory of the dread of death, of the, of the consequence of death, of the separation of death, over all that death means. Because I live, I'm the first fruit of the resurrection, and His promise is, and let me take you to a verse here. 
He that beholds the Son and believes in Him, these are the words of our Lord Jesus Himself, has present tense at that point in time <coughs> eternal life. And Jesus said this, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day. So there's a day, there's an appointed day of judgment and there's an appointed day of the resurrection to life everlasting. There's a pointed day uh, where the physical body, the physical body of Jesus Christ came up out of the grave. It was, uh, they touched his, his flesh. They ate with him. They spoke to him. He was physically resurrected as the offspring of David in his humanity. He's the first fruit of the resurrection and the guarantee that because I live, you too shall live. We'll live with him. Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you long to be with Him? Do you long to know that which God has put inside of us that yearns for what only God could do for us on the cross of Calvary? Uh, I take you to the, the, uh, uh, the final point here, the free gift of Christ. The free gift of Christ is that He gives to us this eternal life. He gives to us immortality. He gives to us hope. And I would take you back to 1 Corinthians 15. We sang about it this morning. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? The last enemy that will be abolished is death. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying which is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your sting? O oh, grave, or Hades, where is your victory? So really, that dread of death is simply for the believer a threat of glory because the Scripture so clearly tells us and states to us that there's life after death. That is, Jesus Christ was, was resurrected because I live. You too shall live. And all who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, that life has been given to them. The Scripture tells us in Romans chapter 4, verse 25, He who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised up for or because of our justification. Do you know by faith in what Jesus has done, the salvation that He has offered, that you have justification before God this morning? That you stand and that you are with us this morning in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, that which He has given? The Apostle Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God before ordained that you should walk in them. He has desired to draw you, bring you to himself, to bring you to salvation in Jesus Christ. He went to great ends to express the value of what it means for our sin to be done away with. It's a wonderful thing that God has done. Let me ask you this question. According to John 6.40, He who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, 
but has passed out of death and into life. The question that I would ask you this morning is, have you heard his word? And that means that you have knowledge of what Jesus said. And he says here, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me. Okay? So if you've heard your, his word, you have knowledge of what he said. But notice the second phrase there, and believes him who sent me. He who hears my word, he has knowledge of what Jesus said, but this belief, there are three facets of belief. There's knowledge, and there's assent or acknowledgement that what is said is true, and there's dependence or trust in the integrity of that word that was spoken to you. So I ask you this morning, do you believe that Jesus Christ, who was resurrected from the grave and said and declared, because I live, you too shall live? to all that trust and believe and trust in the integrity of his word and put their hope and trust in him and in that word. Well, if you make that decision, if you believe, if you, by your will, acknowledge, yes, Jesus Christ, your word, you have both the power and the willingness. You love me enough and have loved me enough to die in the place of my sin and to give to me this eternal life. And your word is true. The scripture tells us that you have passed out of death and into life. And that's my prayer for you this morning.